0: Welcome back to Wildcats Podcast with Wildcats Conservation Alliance. I'm Amy Van Gelder and if you've come here looking to hear more about tigers from experts working to save this iconic species, then you're in the right place. Each month, we touch upon different subjects concerning the conservation of majestic yet increasingly vulnerable tigers who still roam Asia's remaining wild spaces. In this episode, we'll be hearing more about how a low carbon renewable solution to rising global energy demands is failing to fully consider impacts on biodiversity, freshwater connectivity and local communities. While we're all too familiar with the catastrophic footprint fossil fuels have left on the environment and our health, less is known about some of the impacts of renewables on our wild spaces and biodiversity. Our guest today is Anna-Philippa Palmeriúm, an ecologist and postdoctoral researcher at the University of Porto. Philippa recently published a paper on the impacts of hydropower on the habitat of jaguars and tigers. This paper revealed that more than one-fifth of the world's tigers have been affected by habitat loss linked to hydropower projects. Although initially praised as clean, green energy, hydropower development has become controversial due to its pervasive environmental impacts. Philippa kicks things off by telling us a bit more about what hydropower actually is.
1: Yes, so hydropower is um, is a way to generate uh, electricity using the natural water flow. Uh, so we have water that is moving and then that is creating the this uh, type of energy that is considered renewable because of that. And how does it work? So at the plant level, water flows through a pipe and then spins the blades in a turbine uh, which in turn spins a generator that then creates the, the hydroelectricity. Um, and for that to happen, the dam needs to be constructed in a place uh, with a certain slope. So that's the steepest the slope, the higher the amount of hydro energy that will be produced. That can also add that too, currently in the northern hemisphere, that there's a lot of dams. So this part of the world is already saturated in hydroelectric dams. And uh, currently, the, the frontiers for, for this kind of uh, infrastructure is the southern hemisphere. So that, that can be a problem because those countries also harbour the highest levels of
0: biodiversity. You kind of mentioned a little bit there that it has an impact on biodiversity. I think that happens a lot from flooding, maybe. But yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about how hydropower causes kind of extensive habitat loss and degradation?
1: So when a dam is constructed, uh, upstream of the dam is created a reservoir. And then this reservoir occupies an area that, uh, if we think in the global south, that would correspond to a natural habitat, so for terrestrial species, for instance. And in this way, uh, that area of the reservoir can reflect the habitat that is lost for those species, Uh, which can no longer live in an aquatic environment. Uh, And even if you think in the semi-aquatic species, like the giant otter in the Brazilian Amazonia, uh, even for those species, this newly created aquatic habitat is not that good. It's still low quality. Uh, So hydroelectric dams do not really mean an increase in habitat for any any, any species really. And in tropical giants, uh, what do we have? We don't have like a a hilly landscape. Landscapes are kind of flatter. So, and then when a dam is constructed, we have hydroelectric reservoir or lake that is proportionally larger than in areas that are hillier. And then we also don't have much energy being generated because it's not that steep, the area, the, the location where the dam will be constructed. And, uh, and, th- and that can be a problem. So we have a uh, habitat that is lost. Uh, that's, it's not so straightforward because uh, we have other ways to generate energy. And so that's, that will be the, the greatest problem. Uh, and then we also have uh, indirect ways of being uh, ended up with habitat lost. So when a dam is created, it's not only the dam that is constructed, but there's a whole infrastructure. To- that uh, starts to be built nearby the dam and that sometimes that includes whole new cities lots of roads and areas that were once remote and inaccessible for people uh, they are no longer so lots of uh, fires can happen um, deforestation hunting so that and that has not been really quantified
0: so that will be very interesting um, so why is hydropower particularly bad in the habitats that tigers call home uh, so
1: in the case of tigers so they they previously occupied a relatively large area across the paleotropics and today is not so much and it also in that part of the world there's a lot of depths that were constructed uh, relatively long time ago to say in if we compare for example with the neotropics like the amazon has a huge number of dams that are planned now to be constructed uh, and it's not so much the case in tigers so the tigers the the problem was before so if we think in the current geographic distribution of tigers uh, we can see that there's many dams intersecting the distribution so if you put that in numbers we end up with the with a reasonable number of individuals that could be in that area and is not there because uh, that area corresponds to water. So they cannot really use that area as land. And then uh, also the areas that are now the hydroelectric reservoirs before those areas, they are typically lowland areas. So they also correspond to the streams and rivers that are usually high productive in terms of prey for tigers. So there's that only worsens the
0: the scenario for tigers. It's been, I think, researched a lot more that how damming rivers can have kind of huge negative impacts on freshwater systems and their biodiversity. But I think there's a lot less known about the impact on terrestrial landscapes. Why do you think this is? Uh, In my
1: opinion, that might be because people don't tend to think that uh, if we put it all together, like the, all the areas of the reservoirs, if you put it together, people would think that is still not um, significant for impacting species in its uh, total population. Actually, th- there's some studies focused on that, uh, that. They are usually focused on islands, so the islands that are created inside the hydroelectric reservoirs, uh, and not so much on the other way around we cannot really propose any major conservation management action because if a dam will be constructed, that will be constructed with that area that will be flooded anyway. And we, we cannot really manage that. We can say that, oh, don't construct a dam here because that's an important area, but we know that anyway. So it's, it's trickier. So for freshwater biodiversity, there's some other actions that can be implemented so people can optimize the dams itself, the the way they construct it to create uh, passages for fish to move from one side to another. There's a way to kind of improve the situation for freshwater. But for terrestrial species, there's not really much we can do. So only figure out what, what are really the impacts if we consider rare threatened species. Maybe if we put it all together, the area occupied by reservoirs, it, it can actually make a difference. And this is the case of tigers.
0: So I think your research found that there was 421 existing dams which intersect tiger habitats. But what kind of impact does that have on tigers? So if we think that uh,
1: tigers are already an endangered
0: species that
1: occupy uh, a very restricted area and the uh, they, they are distributionary patchy. It's not a continuous area. And then we sum up all the reservoir areas intersecting the tiger range. We, we can translate that in a hypothetical numbers of tigers that could be occupying that areas, but they are not. And if you put it all together, then that, that's quite a lot. About uh, 729 tigers. And th- that's really a lot. If you think in the population size of tigers, that uh, this is all about estimated numbers, we still have to uh, go to the fields and really quantify this this study is a is a theoretical study so we relied on data available especially data on the geographic range of tigers and the geographic location of dams and their hydroelectric reservoirs and the area occupied but there's no study yet quantifying like what happens to the tigers when a dam is really constructed so Are the animals leaving the area? Do the animals die? Are they displaced to other areas? Can they survive if they are displaced in other areas? So that there's much um, questions around it that we we cannot answer yet. So, and with all these upcoming hydropower projects, it should be definitely very interesting to to get to know more about that so we can uh, act.
0: As you were saying, they are obviously an endangered species and they've disappeared already from 93% of their historical range. And as we continue to do the decarbonisation of our energy consumption, hydropower um, infrastructure probably is going to be something that we rely even more on and is likely to expand. Your study identified that there was an additional 41 planned dams throughout the range of tigers. Um, What countries are these future dams located in?
1: So uh, those countries where uh, those dams will be located are actually countries where there were not much hydropower going on. So if you think through a conservation point of view, it's like, oh, what a shame, because we still have the tigers there. But of course, we have to consider other aspects too. Uh, So those dams will be located and are already being constructed in Bhutan, Nepal and Indonesia. And there is this particular case of uh, two hydroelectric dams that are planned to be constructed in the Leuser ecosystem in Sumatra, where there is this uh, subspecies of tiger that is critically endangered.
0: Yeah, definitely. And they're obviously facing incredible threats anyway, and putting more hydropower there and opening up the forest to humans is going to be really dangerous for them. But considering the potential of hydropower to meet future energy demands, Can these future developments ever be done in a way that isn't harmful to tigers and our wider environment?
1: Yes, in a way, yes. There there were supposed to be some guidelines for kind of sustainable hydropower, Uh, but it is tricky because it's it's a big lobby in many countries. But uh, what what we tend to suggest with our studies is that uh, the location of the dam it has to account for uh, several aspects. One aspect is how important is that area for biodiversity? Of course, for local people as well. In this case, we're talking about biodiversity and that has an example the laser ecosystem in Sumatra. And uh, also uh, if we are constructing a dam, uh, we we have to think, okay, uh, we will always get some damage out of that. But uh, if the energy is a uh, is a good amount of energy that will be produced, then we we okay, it's not so bad uh, because uh, we always have to do some damage generally to to get energy. Uh, so that's another point that should be considered, and uh, definitely uh, some some hydroelectric dams sh- should still be cancelled and. Uh, when a dam is planned, sometimes it is canceled for some years or it is delayed, but it ends up being constructed because we are running out of spaces, good spaces for dams to be constructed because every day there's more and more dams. So we don't have anymore more the really good locations in some areas because they're already saturated with dams. So, and that, that's a good idea to consider other ways to generate energy and that's the case. As you were saying,
0: there are some benefits to having the dams, but does the economic benefit of hydroelectricity generation and its potential to meet future energy demands compensate for the negative environmental impacts sometimes? Uh,
1: that, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, well, Personally, I, I think that depends, and depends especially on the reservoir projects that we are talking about. If that will generate a lot of energy, and if the area is not so important for biodiversity, for example, uh, then it should be, it, sh- it should compensate somehow, right? But uh, sometimes not, it's not the case. So uh, it's sometimes a weird
0: business, hydropower. Yeah. Um, and so, so what can conservationists who are kind of working on the front line with uh, in these tiger habitats and obviously other habitats as well, what can they do to protect tigers from hydropower? So one way to
1: achieve that is to conserve equivalent area to that that is impacted by the reservoir. So we have some cases, for example, in Brazil, where a biological reservoir is created after the dam being constructed to protect a similar, uh, an equivalent area. And also, it's not only about protecting the land from being uh, deforested, but it's also about having uh, enforcement like uh, to do not make that so accessible to humans.
0: A huge thank you again to Philippa for tackling the really complicated subject of hydropower and you can find a link to her study in the show notes. I think it's clear hydropower developments have eaten up wild spaces, but much more research is needed to really quantify the impact this has had on biodiversity, as so many more dams are in the planning or construction stage in priority landscapes. This includes the Tiger Range countries of Bhutan, Nepal and Indonesia, which jeopardises much of the amazing conservation actions which have happened over the last 12 years in Tiger Range states. While renewable energy is key to powering a safer future, it must be developed with the knowledge that climate change and biodiversity loss are twin crises and should be tackled together. Clean energy is not truly clean if it negatively impacts our wild spaces and the species which call them home. It's not about whether to go zero carbon, but how we get there. And that kind of brings this episode to a close. Thank you all for listening and look out for our next episode airing next month, where I'll be joined by some more special guests. Please do subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I'll see you next time.